I think how um how long have you been doing your podcast? So I've um I started the platform um about a year and a half ago. Um and I'd say about a year ago I started the podcast and um so over the past few months um like I've just been interviewing like athletes, celebrities, actors. Um Brilliant. Yeah, so um, I'm trying to, you know, it, it, I, the goal is to like sort of talk to athletes and celebrities and, and actors about sports and stuff, you know, something fun. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know, it's it's cool learning about their journey as well, you know, while I'm at it. So, um, yeah, I'm going for it, man. So, uh, yeah, wow. pleased to have you. Matt Hill, everybody, the legend. Uh, oh, man, wow. It's like, I guess when, once you turn 50, right, it's like, you're a legend. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you were a legend from the beginning. So, I uh, appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for taking the time, man. So, thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, so you're telling us you woke up at like 4 a.m., man. So you're you're an early riser. You're ready to go. And uh, yeah, yeah. My, you know, my mom said like because I was kind of like the whoops child. They, you know, they'd only kind of planned on having three, and then I arrived, and you know, they they said I arrived a month early and hit the ground running. And you know, that's pretty much the truth, right? I've always, you know, I don't know. I've always just kind of woke up and go like, all right, okay, let's do this day. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So how, how long was the, uh, the run this morning? Was it, how, how, how was it? <laughs> this morning I have actually yet to get out there. Cause, um, right now, because I was doing, um, this work to get ready for obviously for, um, right. Right. Um, but yeah. I'm also, cause I'm getting ready to do this. I guess this will be the third set of 21 marathons. Um, and so, um, which I call my 21 days of discovery so that in a way it's a neat way to be able to you know for me continue to keep doing these turtle very very slow marathons that i do um but it's sustainable for me and also for my life so that then i can sort of like take a you know a reset break for a week and then go on another 21 days you know because like they say right it's like takes 21 days to create a new habit or it takes right. 21 days to feel comfortable doing a new routine or you know um and for me i don't know it's always been around you know moving and and sort of asking myself what's possible for me today right yeah so uh, yeah, so it's yeah. neat you know and i mean i swear to god never did i know never did i think that like obviously wake lo loving to wake up early and then as i grew up being inspired by some by, by some key early in my life people right. um that it would end up taking me around North America on our run for one planet. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I saw, it's, you know, I, I saw that, man. I mean, you, um, you, you finished a year long run around North America in 2008, 2009. Um, but as you said, the run for one planet, um, and you guys ran a marathon nearly every day for one year, uh, across the U S and, and, and Canada. I mean, how do you do that, man? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what the so, hell? Um, you know, I mean, really, it's it's the epitome of small steps adding up. And I think that's what's so neat about, that's what I love the marathon distance so much. Because even if someone's never, say, run a marathon, they've heard of a marathon. Mm. So there's, there's a knowledge around, okay, there's this sort of, you know, there's this length of distance. Right. Um, and so for us, it was the metaphor to say, okay, in order to finish your first marathon, you have to take the first step, right? So literally it was kind of like, you know, like my character Ed going like, okay, you know, move my feet. Okay. Yep. Repeat, you know, and I, and I swear to God, that character just kept, you know, coming around and being able to help not only keep me going, but then when we got to invited to share it with audiences of, of kids and their teachers, especially in the States, oh my God, Ed, Ed, and Eddie just was like the godsend. Yeah, absolutely. It was probably one of my favorite TV shows growing up as well. So uh, this is legendary, man. Uh, well, it, but you know what's so neat though, dude, is, is like you say, it's like I'm, I, I, I knew getting to say do these characters I, I, it afforded me obviously to say, call myself an actor and, you know, become friends with some of my favorite people in the world, put my hat out backwards, go to work every day and just like do my thing. Mm -hmm. But little did I know that the, the gift would come back 10,000 fold when we went on our tour, because then going into schools, 
the feedback from people going like, no, you're, I'm not kidding you, you know, Ed, Ed and Eddie or like Raphael or, you know, playing any of these other cartoon characters helped people get through, say, a tough childhood or made them feel like they belonged when they moved to a new town and they didn't know anybody yet, you know, and um, so it was this constant feedback loop, you know, of, of people saying thanks to me, but then I'm going, no, thank you, because, you know, like, I wouldn't even have a life, you know what I mean? Right, right, man. This I mean, guy in Vancouver running around the city. <laughs> hey, man, either way it works, man. Ed's, uh, Ed's always running, so respect. Uh, That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, literally. That that's the image I have right now. But uh um yeah, I guess one question I was gonna ask is that uh, I guess we could start off with, you know, how did you um you know get started and how did you grow a passion for, you know, acting and, and you know, creating an image for yourself throughout all these cartoons? Uh, I'd love to hear your story and and how you got started, man. Yeah, well, you know, in the in the span of like think you know, deciding to do things early, for some reason when I was thirteen I was like, my life's half over. I've wanted to be an actor since I was about five. And I, and so by that point I went, okay, I'm, I'm like 12 or 13. You better get this started, Matt. Or, you know, you, like basically in my eyes, my life was already half over. So I'm like, okay. So in that time went and got an agent. Um, that agent went like, oh my God, either I'm absolute nut bar or you really are going to do what you say you want to do. Um, and before I knew it, it's like this, you know, I, I got my first uh, voiceover gig, which was like one of the first Saturday morning cartoons for NBC. Um, that was Captain N, the Game Master. Yeah. So that was kind of like the, you know, the jump into being an actor. Um, and it was amazing because even then, the connection between, say, being able to be a character and, and having it actually um, inspire somebody or make them feel good about themselves I got that instant feedback, which I remember came like, cause you know, I don't know, maybe serendipitously, the first role I ever got professionally, I was playing Santa's lead elf at the Christmas display downtown. So, yeah. you know, so Christmas being my favorite, you know, holiday, yeah. it was like, I'm going, Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. And, you know, before I knew it, I was doing a voice. Right. So, yeah. you know, to then, you know, catapult that and actually get paid to do voices was just like, Oh my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, 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 um, I saw some of, uh, I saw that on your TED talk at the Brentwood College, and um, yeah, man, that's incredible. Um, so you, you said, so did you get the agent at age thirteen? Yeah, and you know, thanks for bringing that up because it's for me, it's the truth of, and then why I ask people who is taking a chance on you, because. I think we can all find that there's been a person that's have pivotal moments in our lives that have affected us and whether it's because we affected them. So in this case, you know, just this young guy who was so naive, completely didn't know what the heck I was doing, had, you know, no skill, but I went, no, I really want to do this. So in that day, you know, I just said, okay, I'm going to do this. And so I, I found out where her agency was and, you know, showed up. Um, and just like that in my TED talk, you know, met by this thick cloud of cigarette smoke because you could smoke in buildings back then, yeah, you know, yeah. like this ex-model from New York and, you know, she's like, eh, what do you want? Right. I'm like, oh, hi, I'm, I'm Matt and I want to be an actor. And she's like, oh yeah, you got any experience, you know, and, and like for real, for real, that's the truth of it. She, she said, okay, either I'm a nut bar, but there's something about you kid that I'm going to take a chance on. And that was the biggest thing because it didn't just mean that she gave me free reign and I didn't have to do any work. I actually, then it was go time. I really needed to step up quick. So at 13, obviously take some acting lessons because I had no idea what I was doing. Right. You don't know. You, you don't, I mean, unless you're, I don't know, like any of your amazing child actors that yeah. are just <laughs> gifted. Yeah. Um, but it, so it, it was, for me, a journey of truth to be able to then now say, I don't know, in this case, 35 years later, be able to, you know, if I could find her and tell her, Dorothy Boyce, thank you for believing in me and, you know, whatever you saw, because that really changed everything, you know, um, you know, and I've had a, like, I've had some huge people in my life early on that, that kind of, whatever it was they saw in me, 
you know, instead of judging me about it, they actually embraced it. So like my, you know, I was like the classic, like ADD kid. I had way too much energy. I was crappy at math. They didn't realize I had dyslexia, but it, I wasn't a bad kid. I just had a lot of energy and I love people. But instead of my teachers making me wrong, they went, oh my God, listen to what his PE teacher said. Just take him, tell him to go out and run. So, you know, that was another life shaper moment. My PE teacher giving my teachers the best advice instead of getting mad at me, they'd just be like, ah, get outside, <laughs> stop breaking things, you know? Um, so it was good because it stuck, right? And in a way, it allowed me to start really believing in what my heart was telling my feet where it wanted to go. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we all have the, for whatever that is for us, we all have our heart and our feet moments where, you know, like yours might've been that whisper going like, dude, do a podcast, <laughs> right? Because you answered the call and you went like, Oh my God. Okay. Who would I want to talk to? And you said it perfectly. You want to talk to like um, athletes and, and you said celebrities, mm, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I'm, I can imagine the people that you've now reached out to and, you know, so I go like, woohoo, congratulations. Cause you know, yeah. like it's a big deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, we're, we're, we're pumped to, to have you on, man. This is awesome. Um, it's already a crazy story. So, um, was your, was your family supportive at that of you at that <clears throat> getting in aging? I mean, or, or were they like, all right, you're 13, like settle down. Like how, how are your friends and family, um, responding to to yeah. um itch that you had my family it's funny because i was the youngest and there was quite a jet there was about five years almost between each of us siblings mm. so i think in a way it was perfectly set that my my two brother older brothers they're you know like all older brothers with younger brothers they're like huh what's he doing eh, whatever right <clears throat> and not that they didn't care but they're just they're involved in their own life but my i remember my dad specifically is saying, because once again, this was like the put up or shut up kind of moment when I, cause I, without even realizing it, when my first agent said, okay, you need to take a course so that you don't let me down as I take a chance on you. I'm like, yes, sign me up. So I signed up for like a 500, $600 course. Right. So, you know, 1980, that's a ton of money. Mm. I didn't have any money. Mm. So I didn't realize that at the moment, but then when I got home and my agent, the, well, she wasn't my agent yet, but um, when she phoned to confirm my attendance in the class on Saturday, my dad answered the phone and he's like, um, excuse me, sorry, what, who's, what? And she told him what had happened. And I knew I was in deep poop because, you know, one, I lied to my folks because I was supposed to be homesick that day, but instead I went to the bus and went downtown, got right. an agent. Um, yeah. So once again, my dad said, okay, well, if, if, if we can't afford it, he can't take the course. But once again, then my agent Dorothy said, you know what? I got a feeling about your kid. And I think that made my dad go, okay, either you're being bamboozled or you're also one of these good humans. And she was, she said, you know what? I really believe he's going to do something. So I worked my tail off in that class. And it's so amazing because it, it helped me get a work ethic that I knew it doesn't mean you get every gig that you try out for, but you also have a really good chance of getting something because you work hard at your craft. So at 13, I, I realized that obviously have the dream, work for it. And then also in this case, you have lots of angels along your route that, you know, help you assist in this journey, right? Because, you know, my parents, like I say, they're just mom and dad going like, okay, wait a second. We don't have an extra 500 bucks. But this lady who's never met you now says, well, she believes in you. Okay, well, wow. do what the lady says, right? So, you know, so either way, I had to pay her back, right? So luckily for me, I booked that my first gig three weeks after. And that, because like I said, it was, you know, playing Santa's lead elf at the Christmas display downtown. Right. You know, so I, I thank God every time I go by that mall, because I'm like, oh my God, that's where right. I got my first start. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, really. That's, that's crazy. So what were, um, you know, like, how were you able to balance school with that on top of like trying to prep to be an actor? Because like, like you yeah. said, like we're working your tail off 
important in that coursework to become an actor, voice actor. And then, you know, I can only imagine how hard school was for you too, because, you know, you, you, as you said earlier, um, you struggle with dyslexia. Like that must have been tough, like respect, like balancing both those. Well, it's one of those things where, you know, like I say, it's easy to talk about it now because, you know, now I understand it. But at the time, one, because I knew I was a good guy, but I just didn't understand certain aspects of school. I understood the social part of it. I understood like the organization of say, like, you know, getting involved with like, um, you know, school government or school dances, mostly school dances. Yeah. Um, but like the math side of things and the science side of things, thankfully for me, I think, because maybe a higher whatever knew that I was on this path to be accelerated, to move forward faster meaning that I wanted to quit school by the time I got to the 10th grade. So that's what I mean. It's not like I was this accelerated student, but in my mind, I knew what I wanted to do with my life. So once I decided that every gig I got as a teenager and, you know, a young person in school, I used that again as my fuel to go, see, this is what I'm supposed to do. Mom, dad, you know, to the point where I, like I say, I almost quit school in the 10th grade because I was just so, disillusioned with sort of like the way the things they were asking me to learn at the time because I was immature as well I didn't understand right but my parents I mean it's amazing because they blew my mind with them always putting it back in my court going well you can do whatever you want but whatever you want also has consequences and things attached to it so pros and cons I guess right so if I was going to quit school at the 10th grade my dad said absolutely go for it but you have to pay rent then so how are you going to do that so I remember having a big long think on it going hmm maybe I don't need to quit school right now maybe I can wait another two years and it was good because it was great advice that I chose to do so it wasn't my dad going you know you'll stay in school you know they kind of left it open for me going like well you're going to choose whatever you want to do. But if you choose to not go to school, you'll have to pay your way, you know, living at the house as an example. Right. So it was great because it, because it kind of allowed me to kind of in a way, because I had so much energy and drive to go, it allowed me to actually sit and, and right. allow to your process to stay. Right. right? You yeah. know? So graduating for me, that's, I guess what I'm trying to say too, is for me, that was my fine moment for, for listening to my dad, who was giving, I think, the most wise advice, you know? Yeah. He said, he's like, you know what? You may not do anything with your diploma, but mm. you may always be just proud that you stayed in school right. and you thought that, in this case, in Canada, it's the dogwood or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. You know, and I'm, and I'm blessed, right? You know? Yeah, um, no. Res- so. res- respect, man, for, you know, sticking through it, you know, because... You know, I'm with you. Like school's tough. Right? Like for me too. Like it's hard to you know just sticking with it. You know, sometimes you're like, even if you have an idea of what you want to do the rest of your life or what you want to pursue, it's it's tough. You know, trying to balance you know your passion and, and you know then there's school. Right? It feels like a grind 24/7. So absolutely. Well, you know what? What I think is neat too, though, is that I think you probably could say the same thing. Is is a lot of our teachers become instead of our adversaries, they become mm. our angels mm. and our, yeah. and our, um, and our Avengers because mm. you know, there's, I mean, I'm sure you could say the same thing. It's like, there's some amazing teachers, yeah. right. That you go, thank God I had them. Right. You know, cause they made my life better. They made my life different because they taught me things, mm. you know? Um, so yeah, like I say, it's, um, I mean, I think the only reason I would go back to university at any point would be so that I could just hang out with more <laughs> smart. Yeah. <teachers. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel that man. I feel that. Yeah, no, uh, that, that's crazy, man. So like, what, what were you able to do on your free time at a young age? Like, were you constantly working on your craft to become a voice actor or, you know, or were you hanging out with friends and, and running? I was both. You yeah. Know, okay. I don't know. I guess in a way for me, I was like, basically I was, I feel pretty per- honored that I was voted one of the most popular in my height in like in my graduating class. Mm. But if you can understand this being so popular, also I felt like sometimes the biggest outcast mm. and then sometimes the biggest loser because 
I didn't have one group that I just went to, right? So even though I could go to like 15 different parties on a weekend, and, and so hang out with the preppies, hang out with the rockers, hang out with like the druggies, hang out with like the preppies, hang out with the, the otheries. I felt really privileged to be welcomed in because I feel, I don't know, maybe I think people just liked me because I was just kind. Um, but in that early days, it made me, before I realized it was a superhero power, I, I kind of judged myself in that because because I kind of wanted to be like everyone else, you know, we're human beings, right? We want to, we want to be unique, but yet we want to be free. And, but then we also want to be like, just like everyone else. Right. Yeah. 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 No, <laughs> like, you know, so it's that push and pull. Right. Um, right. You know? um, yeah, but no, you know, I was lucky because I also had like, just, I guess by way of order in my family, my, both my brothers really helped me. I think see that they were older already. So I got to listen to like music that was even different. Right. right? Um, yeah. You know, and um, you know, where my friends were listening to like eighties pop, you know, my brothers were listening to like seventies classic rock and sixties yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing music. And you know, yeah. and so that was also a big influence on me as well. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah. yeah it's um, you know, it's amazing this life, hey? It's crazy, man. <laughs> that's that's insane. So um that sounds like a pretty crazy childhood you had and and, you well, oh, and also if I could share yeah. for me, you said you were was it hanging out with people, but more so what I realized is because I had so much energy and I also and I like just truly authentically loved to run, I ran everywhere. Mm. So that was also my best friend along all those signposts and birthdays. So in many ways, running was one of those things that was always that constant for me. So I would be often sort of like just silently challenging myself to say like, okay, well, if I can run, you know, like in my case, I lived in at the end of basically the end of Canada. So we, we butt up against um, a place called Point Roberts, which is the United States. Um, and it was neat because in those days you could go to the border and if you go, if you went through this place where there was a break in the fence, you could just go into the States. And so that was for me, my magic land of going like, Oh, oh my God, I'm in America now. Cause you know, I wanted to be an actor. So I also thought I would end up in America. So it was kind of cathartic running through the border and also at a time when you wouldn't get, you know, like detained and, <laughs> and yeah, then yeah. carted away as someone who's trying to like, you know, break into the country. Um, thank God for those days. Um, you know, because it really also allowed me to find my feet and feel so free in my running, right? And so as my fitness got better, my routes got bigger and bigger and longer and longer and longer, right? So, you know. So really, I am just like Ed. <laughs> it's just like feed me buttered toast, have some gravy, have some of my friends around and my brothers and sisters, and yeah. then just let me run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Hey, like, that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That, that was something else I want to ask you. Like, how? Excuse me. It sounds like that personality was so fitting. Like, you know, you, you had all this energy, you know, you, you're social, you loved hanging out with people, you know, cause I, and then Ed, 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 and Eddie started in 1999. Right. So, yeah. um, so yeah. did you, like, did you audition for that? Did you, um, you know, how we did went, you that role? <laughs> we went through Probably because by that point, I guess I've been doing it for, I guess, what, like, what, 15 years? 1990, what was that? When did you say 1998? Yeah, so it was, so I've been doing it for a while. Um, And it's, and it's wild because just around that same time, I've been asking the bigger questions around how could I take my love of doing cartoons and, and meeting fans and also my love of this planet and people and, and, and take it in a different direction. Um, we're not a different direction, but how could I add to what I was doing? And then Ed, Ed and Eddie comes along and like, without a word of a lie, broke every record in terms of um, obviously not only like say not box office, but like um, viewers, like, like I, we kept hearing that like, you know, like millions of people love that show. And it was Cartoon Network's highest rated show for a while. Right. Um, 
but now think of a guy, or I guess in this case, I can only speak for myself because I didn't, I wasn't very computer literate. Um, and so I didn't go to, like, I didn't read papers in terms of like um, fan, like um, sites and things like that. I only, I only knew we were popular by the producers coming in and, you know, the director coming in saying like, Oh my God, you guys, we're number one in, you know, Beijing, we're number one in China, we're number one in America. We're, you know, and so we went like, oh, this is so cool. We have, you know, we've got a, we got a really popular show because the grind to get there was record setting as well. Because in, I think in some respects it's because Danny has such a huge, um, well, it's his baby, right? And he's a genius. He had all those characters in his head. He had every like nuance that he wanted in this cast. So it took probably to this day, probably the longest audition process I've ever been through in my life. We, I guess we probably officially had maybe eight callbacks for that show, which usually for, you know, like let's say a prelay, you'll maybe read for it once, then you'll get a callback for it. And traditionally, you know, you'll know, you'll maybe get one more callback and then they'll do a cast thing. So maybe it's like four by the time you're sort of to, you know, to the studio. Right. Um, but with Ed, Ed and Eddie, it was just this marathon of like, you know, our, our agents going like, okay, all right, you've been asked to come back. So now, but this time they're going to stick you with this person and you're going to do these lines. And, and I just remember, you know, think of it, we're all like cattle going like, shit, am I going to get progged? Am I going to get like, yeah. you know, like, get out, you suck. Right. Get invited back, right? Yeah. So then before you knew it, there was the three Eds and so, you know, me and Tony and Sam, you know, we're all, and we knew each other, right? So it was, it was cool that way. Um, but it was really cool because then we had this aha moment where we're like, wait a second, they're not bringing anyone else in, you know? And, and, and there was one like, but, but, but even still, I gotta say, we still didn't know. And we still thought we were one like mouth mess up from like getting like, catapulted out of the studio and you know never work again kind of thing right, right yeah you know? and uh, uh yeah and we all i guess we did you know i mean for me doing ed i found him by mistake by way of like as an actor you never blow into the mic that we're told forever it's like all the engineers like don't blow on the mic don't touch the mic because you'll break the mic and the engineers are like i'll break your face right kind of thing and one time in one of these last auditions, I'll never forget it because, you know, I could see Danny going, ah, he's just not getting it. And, and then and, and out of desperation, I literally, I, I tapped the end of the mic, like the pop stand. So I heard this, right? And everyone's like this. And I'm like, oh, oh, how do you get water from this thing here? And literally, I, hear, I see Danny go like, what? what the hell did he just do? And I thought, oh shit, I am done. Right. But he, he was screaming at the engineer. Did you catch that on? Like, did you record that? Right. And the guy's like, yeah. Like almost like, uh, did I do the right thing? And he's like, play that back to him, play that back. Right. And I'm like, okay. And so they played it back and dum, dum. how do you get water from this thing here? Right. And it'll, and then literally I heard Danny go, that is Ed do that. And do not stray from that. Just do that. I'm like, how do you get water from this thing? <laughs> so like for the first 13 episodes, whenever I would like get off Ed, right? right. He'd just play that. They play that one liner. So that one freaking mess up changed my life. Right? Wow. So that's it's crazy. Like, so, yeah. Yeah. So yes, that's insane, man. So was, was that, was that in the, so you said that was the last audition? Yeah, it was pretty much down to the wire because we because yeah. at that point then I think we went in three times just the three Eds. Right. Then, um then the rest of the cast also No, we didn't we never did a uh um we never did a callback with everybody. That was that's true. We didn't do so just the three Eds till he had got that locked in and then the, mm. the rest of the cast um had all their callback journey together. And then they put us all together for the first recording. And I, I believe if that, I'll, I'll make sure that I get that right. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Um, but it's, you know, pretty much where when the show was set and he had the cast, then right. we all got the green light to come in and. Yeah. 
you recorded yeah. you know the first episode or whatever right so up until that moment like you didn't have like really an idea of like what you had a perception of that right no like nothing you know and then and this is a beautiful thing because as an actor we're always told learn your lines do your craft, learn your lines, know this, you know, know the script, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So for film and TV, yes, you know, get off book, do, you know, all this thing, voiceover for the most time, yes, get off book, so then you could play. But thank God for Ed, after like about maybe three or four episodes, um, the director um, in Vancouver, uh, Terry, got a note from Danny telling him, going, stop reading the script. Like, I'll never say that to anyone else, but don't read the script to prep. Because then it took me off of all sort of like Ed's just completely coming out of nowhere, right? So they said, you know, don't not know what's going on in the show. So they gave us these storyboards so, that, so I would look at what's actually happening in the script. But to actually read the actual script and know the lines, they said for, for Ed, you know, so he said, that's the only person I'll ever say that to. <laughs> so, cause yeah. you know, else it's like, okay, you know, like, so yeah. So it, it was kind of neat and it kind of gave, it gave me a lot of freedom for then say like that for Danny and this respect and, and the other creative team um, for us to be able to work the magic that we got to do because, you know, I mean, it was pretty freaking creative. Like, yeah, yeah no. I mean, you know, I mean, our vocal cords bled often, and I think a few times I had a few brain aneurysms because, like, you know, Ed screaming so long, and you know, like, you know, I, I there's a few times I'd be like, oh, okay, Whew. okay, I'll be right back, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's good. <laughs> that's gotta be crazy, man. Yeah, I could only imagine, like. So like early mornings, late nights sort of thing? Uh, we were, what did we, ah, you're bringing all the good memories back here. It's, um, I think most of the time we recorded, because in Vancouver we do it in two four-hour slots if it's a two-episode day for something. So we'll mm -hmm. go nine to, nine to one and then two to six. Um, and we primarily did two to six, I believe, because the Eds, I think they realized were better as a trio in the afternoon because i know the rest of the cast did theirs most of the time in the morning so um, yeah. and I, have no idea. I don't even know if that's just because we were better or whether it was just scheduled i don't know right but i, yeah. but I do remember now because because we often like we'd meet up beforehand and read the script a little bit together and and then you know the three of us would go have lunch or you know yeah. so coffee yeah so how like would an episode like how long would a typical episode take to make like that would probably four hours four hours four hours an four episode hours. yep that's wow. how they four hours so four hours so eight hours altogether. Mm. so each ed day would be an eight hour day for everybody but but each so like the the three eds we would do our four hour block and the rest of the cast would do their four hour block as well wow. so because wow. And we only knew we were all doing that because we'd all see each other on the break and on like on the on the switchover. Mm. So that's how that's how in Vancouver most prelay is is scheduled four hour blocks. Wow, that, that's pretty quick. That's pretty quick. Yeah. Yep. No, it is. You know, I mean, then not you know, but that blows my mind as well. Though the amount of work that happens leading up to those recordings, right? The scripts and the it's mm. like all oh, the stuff that has to happen for people. It's just like, you know, yeah. <laughs> much respect. Yeah, no, absolutely. So like, you know, I, as you guys, as, as you said, like, you know, the show was blowing up, like it was number one in, on Cartoon Network for like a long time, a high rating show. Yeah. Was there a point where, you know, you felt like there was a limit because, you know, it was almost acting like a business, right? Because you're, you're, you're under Cartoon Network. Did you feel like, you know, did, did you feel like there was any restrictions for your character as it became more popular or were you more free? Did you feel um, like? Yes and no, because it, it, it's, 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 we were always able to be free in terms of obviously doing what we do to make this character, these characters come to life. And definitely Danny had a vision of what the character was going to say, what we were going to do how long we were going to do a breath or a laugh or a whereas other shows are a lot more freeform so they're like ah, if I just bring whatever you bring and you know make sure the lines are honored but we want you to ad lib a lot or we want you to do that with ed ed and eddie it was like 
that's why it was so labor intensive um, because sometimes literally we wouldn't let a line, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be allowed to let a line go until Danny went like, okay, they got it. All right. You know, and sometimes it was just something as insane as an Ed laugh. Right. I'd be like, you know, like he'd be like, just but laugh like Ed. And I'm like, ha, 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 ha. And he's like, no, you're losing it. Right. And I'm like, most of the time we thought we were, fuck oh, can I swear? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're good. You're we good. Thought we were fucking crazy. Like there were moments where we're going like, ah, I don't get it. <laughs> you know? And then all of a sudden we would do something and we'd see this look of relief and he'd be like, all right, all right, God, I finally got it. All right, move on. Right. You know, I, I think I hold the record for the ads, either me or double, or double D with, with like, I think 30 takes on one stupid line. Um, and I know for me, it was, it was one of those stupid laughs. Yeah. It just, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, I mean, I mean that was, I mean, Eddie, man, that, that show was awesome, man. I will, I will. Oh. It's, I, have I would watch it on Cartoon Network all the time, so it was great. Well, you know, and like I say, what a gift about to, for me as an actor, to be given back, not only because, you know, we kept knowing that this show was really popular, so we kept getting picked up for more shows. Right. But for real, for real, when I stepped out on our Run From One Planet journey, it was, and how serendipitous is this? It literally was the last episode of the last day of recording of the last um, made for TV movie that we did for Ed, Ed, and Eddie, right? It was the, what was it? It was the last picture show, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. I think so. Um, it was one of that one where it was the, it was one of the specials, but anyhow, it was the last of the, sh like we were done. Mm -hmm. And we'd already planned on doing our run for one planet. And so I'll never forget that day because, you know, we finished, say goodbye to everybody. And it was like, um, there's an old show called Carol, the Carol Burnett show that course, you know, yeah. I was a kid, right? Yeah. And, and you know how she, at the end, she'd be, she'd be mopping the, the stage and she'd just kind of leave. It, I had my own Carol Burnett moment at that very studio that we recorded Ed, Ed, and Eddie at because like, I, I remember it was like, wow, I'm like, all right, I'm done. Holy God, I just signed it for the last time. And, and then I was about to then like days later, head out and run 11,000 miles around North America with my superhero, you know, girlfriend at the time. Um, and, and then the gifts that in particular, you know, being a Ninja Turtle named Raphael and even more so in that moment, being Ed from Ed, Ed, Nettie, absolutely 100%, 1 billion percent was the gift that allowed us to connect with all those kids and their teachers especially then in a time in, in, in both countries when the economy was melting down and we were able to go in and, you know, and I was able to, you know, say to 1500 kids, you know, Hey, who wants to save the planet with Matt and Steph and Ed, you know, and you got like 15,000 hit, you know, 1500 yeah. kids and their teachers. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like what a gift, right? Right. That's you know, going, hey, yo, yo, it's Raphael. You want to save the planet, you know? And, you know, I got like grown men who are like, you know, vice principals and like seven foot four and coming up to me with tears in their eyes going like, you know, brother, like for real, your character on that show or that show, more so that it's like, help me live through a really terrible childhood. Help me believe in myself. Help me have a code. You know, I'll never forget like that one teacher. It was like, he was an ex NBA player. And you now ran this, you know, this, um, this inner school for, for kids um, in Houston that their whole mission is to keep kids out of gangs, keep them in school, keep them off the streets and get them to college, right? So to be able to go in and knock it out of the park, like three ways going like, you know, hey, yo, 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 you know, with Ed or right. sorry, with Raph, you know, and then who wants to, you know, with, with, um, with, the, with single D, yeah. Um, and then, you know, with the ladies going like, hi, it's Tenderheart. And then have all these beautiful, lovely, you know, um, like ladies yeah. and, and teachers and stuff like that going like, oh my God, you're such a, you know, like I felt like, I don't know, I guess my, yeah. my version of like, like all these years of doing all these characters, like right. just kept hitting me back with gratitude and with, which fueled my feet and my right. heart. Like, yeah. Like, 
Yeah, man. I mean, did did you get more of a reaction from Ed from uh, Ed, Ed and Eddie, or did you get more of a reaction towards um, Raphael, Teenage Mutant? Well, I'd say, like in the in the states, I'd say it was. I'd say probably Ed, probably more in terms of being able to like um, boldly say like, "Hey, it's Ed from Ed, Ed and Eddie." You know, um, like with us to be able to say, get into a school in areas that maybe didn't want to have anybody in right now because the economy was so crappy. Um, but you know, I don't know. I, I think, I think maybe they were pretty darn close, you know, you know, because the Ninja Turtles are also such a big institution in terms of like, you know, I, I mean, I was obviously rap, my, my piece of RAF was just this one project, but at the same time, because it's the franchise on the whole, lent a lot of um not credibility in terms of making me um bigger but meaning it's that familiarity for teachers to be able to go hey yo yo remember what raf said kids you know he said to believe in yourself he said to like turn out the lights when you leave a room he said be kind to the old lady that's trying to cross the street you know because that was kind of the things we ended up bringing into our presentation without even realizing yeah. that we were going to do right right, right. Did, yeah, did you see a difference between those two roles from your perspective? Like, personally, like, what was the challenge of that, right? Because they're all different characters. So it's like, how do you yeah. balance that when, when you go into a school or, or you go into a presentation like that? Well, th thankfully, most of the time I was so punch drunk, tired, and, 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 and on adrenaline as well, it was really easy to be Ed um it basically was just like just keep kicking my feet and keep swimming you know and um and at the same time i think in each moment when i just allowed these characters to be used because they're authentic because i because i authentically got asked to play them that's that's where i finally embraced the gift because going out on the tour i, I remember having a meeting with staff and with our whole team and you know at the beginning they were saying dude, we have to use your cartoons. And I didn't want to use the cartoons because I didn't want to go out there trying to inspire kids, but by also going like, hey kids, hey, I was a Ninja Turtle. Hey, 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 I was Raphael. You know, now I want to share this message. In my eyes, it was not, it wasn't being authentic with what our message was, but then, poof, you know, how, how dumb am I? You realize sometimes the most low hanging fruit of authenticity are these characters that you've been playing. So you share them in, a, in an authentic way. Oh my God, the, the world opens up to you, right? So, you know, like I say, like the first time, and it was great because it was, we were this middle school um, in, in uh, Saskatchewan. So we were like two months out on the tour and we were dying like this, you know, being in middle, you remember middle school? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like a alligator pit, right? Yeah. You know, they think you're really cool for a second, right? And then they're like, yeah, boring. <laughs> and like, literally, and, and I remember out of desperation, like Steph was so mad. And she's like, hey! And even I'm like, oh. And she's like, hey, do you guys get to know who I get to run with every day? Right? And I was thinking, and then the classic, you know, the, the, the loudest kid in the, in the room is like, I don't know who, Big Bird or something like that, right? And she goes, no, I get to run with a Ninja Turtle, right? And I was like, ah, oh, shit, she's going to do it, right? And then, <laughs> so I knew I had to show up, right? And, yeah. and, and she's like, and you want to know which one, right? And somebody's <laughs> like, Splinter, right? And I'm like, no, she gets to run with Raphael every day. And I'll never forget that moment because I stood in it. And it was so real, right? And these kids that went from really cool to then too cool for school then went back to oh my god you're Raphael oh, you know and then I hit him with Tenderheart right yeah. and then that's you know like that in Canada right. those were big at the time too and you know Ed Ed and Eddie wasn't big in Canada um because um our version of Cartoon Network never aired it so that's the kids just didn't know the show but so these other two characters it was great because it allowed that instant feedback loop to go, you know, hey, yo, yo, we're out here doing this thing and we want you to play with us, right? 
So instead of being that classic speaker going like, come on, kids, listen to us. We're really interesting, right? I mean, we've all had those speakers, right? Where you're just like, oh. Right? You know, so it was neat. It was so literally those, that middle school in somewhere Saskatchewan saved our ass. Yeah. And at the same time was the fuel that kind of like, the, you know, the gift that had been kind of whispering the whole time going, here's the cartoons, man. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, you know, it's so is, uh, yeah. So I mean, like I say, man, I'm like, a, what a gift. That's you know? crazy. I feel That's so crazy. What a crazy story, man. And, and like you said, <laughs> you probably met like so many people along the way and, and uh-huh. that's awesome, man. So, uh, so many people it's, uh, yeah. you know, and I think that's where I realized why, you know, once again, full circle moment is it answered all the reasons why I was such a, um, I guess in a way why I just so genuinely loved people when I was growing up. Cause even like that, my mom used to tell me before she died, she was like, you just said hi to everyone. And that was just me. Right. So in a way I've made a lifetime of being able to just say hi to people because I genuinely really like people. Right. Um, and, and it's allowed me to, you know, even through my dark moments where, you know, I've had to face a ton of challenges it's it's that ability to be able to also just go you know what sometimes somebody just needs you to say hi and that'll break the ice instantly so that for me is all you know you so like even right now when i'm doing these 21 so i've just finished 42 marathons right i'm doubling down on my you know like literally i'm like hi hi everybody hi hi you know even though we don't do ed anymore but i do ed every day yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm I don't know if I told you, um, this thing called Cameo. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's just, I'm like, holy, thank you, Matt Cameo. Like, the guy reaches out saying, you know, Ed was my favorite cartoon character growing up. Would you guys, you know, would you join Cameo? And I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what a gift, man. So, so did they reach, who, uh, was it Steven that reached out to you or, or Mark? Or? Uh, Matt, Matt is his name. Matt? Oh, okay, sweet, yeah. Do you yeah, know that- I so I know um I, I I mean I'm a huge fan of Cameo too. I mean I think what they're doing, like what a what a gift. Yeah, it's incredible, man. And, and um yeah, I read some of like their story of how they started it and Steven, um I like uh the the other guy that helped founded it, um Martin. Um okay. I tried reaching out to him too and um you know we're, I'm still trying to hop on a call sometime and, and learn about know how they started the the, the cameo because like i did um you know uh mr mosby um from uh sweet life of zach and cody sorry i'm so bad no? yeah no it's fine i i did like a, i did a cameo from my from my um from my school that i go to i go to um university of new hampshire so i did like oh like uh give a shout out to you and h blah 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 and this yeah. was like a few months back when Cameo was still like low key, right? Yeah. I, I sort of have been using Cameo as like a way of like marketing my podcast and relate, like connecting with fans. Cause like I am, you know, athletes and celebrities, right? Like my, my motto is where Hollywood and sports meet, right? So like it's a, it's the perfect, like, it's Love a perfect it. way to like, to um, engage with like my audience. Um, Absolutely. Cameos and, and I've been, you know, sending DMs through cameos. Like, I think that's how I first uh, contacted you. And, and um, yep. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so it's cool because some, some of the reactions I get from that are like, yo, how did you get this person? Or that's so cool. How, how did you get, like, next up is like, yo, how did you get, you know, Matt Hill from Ed, Ed, and Eddie on my podcast, right? So it's like I get those same. Like, Actually, you, know, you know what you should say? You should say Here's how I got Matt. He begged me to be on. He begged me for months. And he finally got on Cameo. I said, okay, maybe. Okay, no. <laughs> Hey, man, I wish. I wish I had that leverage, man, for real. Well, you know, but, but, but in all honesty, this is what I love. Thanks. So thanks for sharing that because you're finding your unique superhero power because you're just, you're a cool guy. And you have this great idea that mixes Hollywood with sports. So... You, and you, you're just, you just ask that to me is, I don't think, you know, I think maybe some people, they, they think that maybe if they ask, somebody might say no. Well, yeah, they might say no, but they might say yes. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'm sure yeah. you find 
as well. Yeah, no, like I've been, that's, that's really what I've been doing. Like I've been sending like emails and, and it's cool. Like, um, I talked to, uh, do you know Shooter McGavin? No. Shit from like Happy Gilmore. Did you ever watch oh, that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who did he play in? Um, like Shooter, like Shooter, like the, the, uh, the, it was like Adam Sandler who was happy. Yeah. And then um, there was like Shooter McGavin, who was like the guy they were facing against. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, not the guy with the um, not the guy with the um, with the um, no arm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it was um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had Shooter. <clears throat> but the we other guy. Oh, Shooter McGavin. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the guy. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Did you, you interviewed him. Yeah, yeah. So it was funny. Like he, he was, he was in quarantine. <laughs> this big beard and like i was like i almost had to take a double check i was like, oh, like, like you're not McGavin? <laughs> is this sure? like no so it's it's cool like yeah exactly like i'm living my childhood here and now we have you know you of course from Ed, Ed and eddie and, and Raphael from teenage mutant ninja turtles so um yeah man it's an honor to to reach out to these guys and hear your story um yeah I, i'll let you go i don't want to keep you from your run too um I'll be, yep, I'll be, uh, yeah, 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 so, um, thanks so much, Matt, I, I appreciate uh, it, and stay in touch, you, um, yeah, please, and, and, uh, if there's anything I can ever do for you, brother, um, let yeah. me know. Thank uh, you so much, man, and, and yeah. you know, keep, keep killing it with the marathons, man, you're running loops around us, so, uh, be, be safe as well, yeah, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, I think it's, it's kind of wild, because originally, I was about to set out on doing another like around the continent journey until COVID obviously kind of changed a lot of things. Um, and that's another reason why I'm just staying local for now. Um, yeah. you know, because I, in a way it's, it's where I realized with technology, that's where this is the power moment for all of us, right. To be able to go, okay, stay home, stay local, connect global and yeah. bring it all together. Right. Yeah, so, man. Yeah, so. man. I, it's tough. So, um, yeah, keep grinding, man. Keep running. And um, yeah, it was a pleasure hearing from you. And uh, well, I'm, two, I'm, two thousand, I'm 2,000K down and 40,000K to go. So. Oh, my God. Man, you're, cool. how do you do that, man? What the heck, man? I don't know how you keep that energy. It's very it's, slow. <laughs> for I real. I like a turtle. And I keep my heart open like a, like a net. So, yeah, I yeah. love it, man. Love it. Keep it up and uh, hope all Best for you and your family. Appreciate it, Matt. You too. Thank you. Out of Bean Town, would you? <laughs> I'll try, man. Hey, I'll, I'll try to get to the West Coast ASAP. Once this clears up, uh, you may see me running out there. You'll see me out there too. So yeah. Right. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Keep killing uh, it, Matt. Appreciate you. it. You too, man. All the best. Thanks. See you, boss.